Greetings, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Higher Ed Geek Podcast, episode number 135, with Dr. Shirag Shamassian, uh, who does academic consulting, counseling students, uh, prospective students, as they pursue their academic goals. We talk a lot in this episode about uh, mostly medical students, but I think a lot of it is applicable across any student who is thinking about uh, pursuing their higher education, uh, just generally the mindset and the thought that they should take uh, heading into it. I really enjoyed this chat. I learned a lot. Uh, I know you will too. So thanks for listening. Thank you to Shirag for taking time out for the episode here. Uh, and without further ado, this is episode number 135 with Dr. Shirag Shamassian. So we are here uh, in our uh, year-long tradition of exploring all of the unexplored uh, nuances of higher education on the show. Because uh, we're yeah, just hitting on a lot of things that we have not talked about before. And it makes me so excited just because it... I think really embodies our goal of, uh, you know, helping people learn and explore and understand just the wide landscape of higher ed. Uh, so, you know, we're talking about, uh, you know, admissions and helping students get into the programs that they're looking for. Um, definitely a world that's outside of my comfort zone. So I'm excited to talk more about it, but we will start out as we always do uh, with our guests introducing themselves and going over their professional journey of how they got to be where they are today. Yeah. So, you know, I've been helping students get into you know, top colleges and medical schools for a number of years now, you know, nearly 20 years now. And it really all just started organically with, and, and out of necessity, really, you know, I attended a high school where there wasn't much in the way of college counseling and I was self-taught with the process. And so, you know, learned what I could to get into Cornell for my undergrad and you know, did my PhD in psychology at UCLA. I was, you know, pre-med all through college and had done very well, but was pursuing a lot of mental health work and want to dive right into that field. Um, and it's just a treat, you know, I, along the way, people were just asking me for a lot of advice and I was helping them and they were having success. And, you know, one thing led to another and, and here we are today. And I, I love doing my work. Yeah, that's so great. I mean, um, like I said, I mean, it's a world that I'm not really, uh, exposed much to just generally of like admissions and how you sort of, you know, uh, as an applicant, you know, present yourself in the best way and that sort of thing. So I think if you just want to explain a little bit more about the work that you do currently, like how do you kind of uh, coach people and just sort of that whole process, I guess it'll be helpful for me to know more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I'll take, uh, I'll talk about it in the context of medical school, which I think is really under discussed, mm -hmm. you know, with the, when it comes to the admissions world. So and there are going to be a lot of parallels with, you know, students who are in high school, who are, you know, trying to get into undergrad. And, you know, with medical school, you know, people go to college, they have to take certain prerequisite courses, you know, biology, chemistry, physics, and math, and they have to participate in various extracurricular activities. And when it comes to all these different things, um, you know, you obviously have to get great grades and you have to do well on the MCAT, which is the standardized test for medical school. However, where it gets really tricky is building a strong extracurricular profile. And this is where I think the greatest confusion is. You have a lot of people who have done very well academically, uh, but when it comes time to actually building a strong resume, they're not, uh, they're not particularly familiar with how to go about doing that. And so you have a bunch of students who are in a situation where they might look good on paper, but when it comes time to discussing their commitment to medicine, um, that's, you know, difficult for them. And even when you do have great extracurricular activities, you now have to communicate them on a resume, right? Because you're in a situation where you have this incredible background, you've done all this hard work, but if you can't 
you know, essentially market yourself, then, you know, you're going to be in trouble. And I, when I say market, I think sometimes people have an adverse reaction to that where it's like, what do you mean? Like, you know, my, my, it should stand on its own, the things that I've done, but you know, in America, we practice something called holistic admissions. And and this is a complex term, but essentially we consider everything, not just what you've done and what you've achieved, but also your level of achievement, right? And the way you communicate it, your thoughtfulness, why you do what you do, your personal background, how your personal, you know, interests and your personal life have led you up to this point. These are the kinds of things that really matter. And so, you know, our job is to assist our students with every aspect of this process. So everything from extracurricular development to, you know, course selection, MCAP prep, application support, it's what we do. And I guess like from what you're saying, I assume most of the people that you work with, it's, you know, before they've even started any application for, you know, medical school, you know, given that example, I guess that you've given, because like, I'm wondering if there's people that you work with that, uh, have applied to medical schools and maybe have gotten rejected and they're not sure why. So they're looking for additional support. Do you, do you like support people kind of on both ends of the spectrum? Yeah. When you say both ends of the spectrum, do you mean students who are ultra high achieving and also students who are maybe struggling a little bit more academically? I guess. Yeah. I mean, maybe just talk through all of that of like the, the type of people that you work with. Cause I imagine it could be, um, cause more of what I was getting to is like, it's somebody who's like, you know, a sophomore and undergrad and they know they want to apply to med school. So they're going to try to maximize their time and be coached through that. And then maybe there's other people who they've already applied to medical schools. They've gotten rejected and they're like, I I think I need more support. But then I imagine within that group of what you are saying, like there's some, yeah, like high achievers, other people who, uh, maybe could even be like career changers, you know, like they, they discovered that they maybe want to go to medical school and maybe don't have like the, traditional background or something. So yeah, I guess just talk through like the populations of people you support and sort of how that all kind of works out. Absolutely. I mean, so, you know, we support students, you know, that uh, across the entire spectrum of applicants, you know, I I routinely get questions, Dustin, from people who say, well, you know, I have such and such background. I'm non-traditional. I'm an accountant. And, you know, I went to school years ago. I did so-so. Can I still become a doctor? The answer is yes. Um, or we have people who are, you know, freshmen in college and want help from, you know, from the start and making sure that they have all their ducks in a row. They're very committed. They've known for, I don't know, a decade that they want to be a physician. And so now they're just ready to work and everything in between. And, you know, the at the end of the day, what it takes to get into medical school is the same. Again, a strong academic foundation. And if you start a little bit weaker, you know, the trajectory matters. How did you improve or change over time? That really matters. Uh, same thing with a commitment to medicine. So if you're a, you know, a student in college, you have all these, you know, the hospital maybe next to the university or, you know, you have local clinics you can participate in. It's one thing. If you're the accountant, you know, you're obviously going to have to make a major career shift. It's not something you kind of do on the side, right? Because if you keep your accounting job and then you kind of do it on the side, it's going to look like your plan. Like you're going to have uh, essentially a fallback plan, which med schools don't want to see fallback plans really because they want to see a high level of commitment. And so the, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to have to impress medical school admissions committees with, you know, your academics, extracurriculars, all that kind of stuff. But the story matters, right? So someone who is 35 years old, again, is the accountant, we have to make a major pivot 
But, you know, if you do it for two plus years and pursue extracurriculars and take some of those science courses and things like that, it can actually be very impressive and it'll bring a different perspective to the schools. So we actually double down on, you know, a student who has a very unique background in that way. Whereas with a student who is going the more traditional route, well, we have to maximize their time on the college campus and outside of their classes so that they can, you know, be the strongest possible applicant when the time comes. And so at the end of the day, like I said, foundationally, you still have to do the same work. What that work looks like and how we communicate it is very different. I guess my brain is going somewhere next because I think everything that you're saying of like, you know, how people, you know, could end up working with you and, you know, working towards their dream of uh, getting admitted to, uh, you know, medical school or wherever. But um, I'm thinking of like the outcomes because like that idea that like what you can do that helps sort of uh, dispel a lot of the, like the mystique or sort of like, you know, confusion and things of navigating college, like at the end of the day, like it could really help these institutions that are looking to get, you know, diverse pools of applicants and uh, students in their programs, uh, you know, for you to be working with people so that like, they're not just getting the same sort of like, yeah, these like high achievers, you know, they've wanted to go to medical school since they were like, you know, in the crib kind of thing, you know, like it, these other people where it's like, wow, you know, like I, I had a personal experience or just sort of, you know, a lot of times like the health industry, like is a pretty booming one and growing and there's a lot of opportunities and people kind of pivoting and that sort of thing. So I guess just as much as you can speak to it, like, what have you seen as some of the outcomes of your work and like what makes it so important, I guess. And if you want to take it as more of like important for the individual or, you know, important for uh, the institution, just so that, you know, these different candidates who earnestly want to, you know, pursue their, you know, college ed education, wherever that is, you know, um, you know, it just, it can be really hard. It can be really confusing. So like, I don't know, just okay. anything you can talk about, like the outcomes of your work. Sure. Sure. Um, so, you know, when you go to college, no one hands you a playbook, mm -hmm. you know, no one says, all right, well, this is gonna, this is, these are exactly the courses you take and all this kind of stuff. Now, some schools, you know, to, to acknowledge them, they do have, you know, like a four-year guide specific to their campus and all that kind of stuff, but it's not really like, customized to them as far as specific opportunities for research and patient exposure and community service and things like this. So it just varies for person to person. The biggest thing, so people ask me sometimes, well, what do you like, what do you actually do? And I think the be one of the best ways to explain it is to discuss how students do things wrong, because I think that's going to be the best, you know, example of when students think they're doing the right things, but they're really just hurting themselves down the line. So students routinely come into college really excited. Um, obviously, there's going to be some anxiety. It's a major change. And some students will, you know, will be very cautious about, you know, taking certain courses because they want to protect their GPA and all this kind of stuff. And, and then what, that ends, what ends up happening is they start out okay, but then it gets harder and harder because now they have to take the same hard courses, but now they have to take them all bunched up together because they had an easier start. Or they didn't, you know, take extracurriculars earlier on and now they're struggling to catch up. But what actually ends up happening more is people hear about how hard med school admissions is. They get ultra nervous and they, you know, they jump into everything. They take multiple hard courses. They take too many courses to start. They take on too many extracurriculars and all of a sudden they have their first, you know, tough academic experience. A lot of the high achievers we work with you know, were in the top 10, you know, top 10 percentile of their high school. And now they come into college and they have a bit of a shock 
because a lot of other students are just as bright and high achieving as them. And so our job is to find that perfect balance from the get-go. You know, what courses to take, what to save for later, what extracurriculars to participate in, more importantly, what what extracurriculars to not participate in. You know, that club that's not going to move the needle and you're not that excited about, we're going to deter you from it. Um, And then we're going to, you know, maybe shift your attention to things that you really love that you can go deeper multiple years. And, you know, identifying early on which rec letter uh, writers to build relationships with, when to take the MCAT, right? So take it after your sophomore year or midway through your junior year so that you have enough runway to apply uh, right when applications open. All of these different things we assist students with handling. As far as, you know, our students' success rates or what it's done, um, to give you context, in in America, when it comes to MD programs, so we have MD programs and DO programs. With MD programs, which what which is what most people traditionally think of when they think of medical doctors in our country, around 40% get into at least one school. So it's a very low acceptance rate overall. Our students who sign up for you know a comprehensive plan to assist them, they get in at a 90 plus percent rate. Um, and so when people ask me, hey, does it work? How do I know that you know it's better with you than by myself or whatever? Um, these are the kinds of things that I speak to because you know it, the proof is in the pudding as far as you know multiplying people's odds of getting in. Well, I think too, like to honor what you're saying too, like I think especially in the admissions process, like a lot of places it's not going to be that you're like, like what you're describing, like really having someone be able to focus time and attention on you to put forth the best and kind of strongest application. And it's like, yeah, maybe once you get in, you accept and you've enrolled in your first term, they do have like orientation or advising and those sort of things. But uh at best, it's kind of transactional just for you to like complete the degree program that you're enrolled in. And it may not be super personalized because they just they have to be doing it for a lot of students and like they, you know, just may not have uh, uh, the time. But um, yeah, I mean, I- ideally, <laughs> like advising would be, you know, exactly how you're describing it for every student that it really is kind of like uh, oriented towards someone's future goals, whatever those might be, not just like, you know, completing the degree program and then going on with your life kind of thing. But um, yeah, just the idea of like making sure that we can demystify the admissions process for uh, prospective students and things. Um, it's just good. Cause I think too, like I, I think just asking like a kind of a follow-up question here, like I'm sure some people that you work with have notions about like the institution that they want to study and the program they want to want to study at. And if you help guide them towards more of what might be a better fit uh for what they think they're supposed to do or should do based on who knows what. <laughs> um, do you feel like, do you have those kind of conversations with people? If they're like that idea of, like you said, it's like, I want to be a doctor. So I'm going to go to like, you know, study this at this place. And it's like, well, actually like you could also go here, which could be like, you know, a better fit or something. Like, do, do you talk about like fit with students a lot to like kind of redirect them sometimes? Yeah. I mean, so it's very interesting when you talk to different students, um, you know, what their sense is about, not only medicine, uh, but, you know, that they feeling like they have to do medicine or or maybe not even like having thought it through very much. Right. Um, you know, I just, you know, about myself, I remember growing up, my parents are immigrants to this country from Lebanon. And they used to always tell my brother and me, like, you know, go to school, become a doctor, all this kind of stuff. 
And it was just kind of talked about like, you know, this is, this is life this is like what you do. And so I remember, you know, my brother and I kind of going through our education when we were young about sort of like, yeah, and then you're going to become a doctor and all that kind of stuff. And um, believe me, like I, you know, I love medicine, high school and college and all that kind of stuff. And I ended up pivoting because I was more fascinated with mental health and my brother ended up becoming a physician. But I noticed that in a lot of other students too, where, you know, people come into college and they're like, well, yeah, you know, I've always wanted to be a doctor and this, blah, blah, blah. and then you ask them, why do you want to become a doctor? And it's like, people don't really necessarily have an answer, you know, or the answer isn't very well thought through. And that's okay. It doesn't mean they shouldn't, but we always push our students to think about what medicine means to them, why they want to do it, why it's the right thing for them to do versus, you know, maybe another field or whatever the case might be. And, you know, I want to encourage our students to pursue medicine. I just want them to do it thoughtfully. And that's also going to benefit them when they eventually apply to school because they have to talk about their background, you know, and they have to talk about what makes them uh, unique and, you know, what experiences brought them to this field and, and things of this nature. And many, many people haven't done that. So our job is, yeah, to essentially help these young adults, um, you know, develop professionally and develop their, you know, their, their skills in critical thinking as well as thoughtfulness um, and so on and so forth. But yeah, I mean, some students might be, uh, might actually be more excited about research and not necessarily excited about seeing patients or, um, you know, they might be interested in entrepreneurship in the sciences. And so they pursue work in healthcare, but it's not as physicians, right? So there's a, there's a million ways to do it correctly um, and to do it well and to find fulfillment in your work for sure. Yeah, that's great to hear. Well, and I'm curious just with a lot of because again, I'm sort of a layman here, so feel free to kind of, uh, yeah. you know, correct me here. But like, cause I think just looking towards the future, because I think there's been a lot like changing, especially over the you know past year and a half of, uh, you know, various modalities for learning becoming far more ubiquitous, more people having exposure to them, uh, standardized testing becoming a lot more uh, optional for a lot of programs and institutions. So. I'm just curious, because obviously you've got a pretty close pulse on all this. Like, where do you see this work going in the future? Like, are there things that you're sort of optimistic, hopeful about? Um, just anything that comes to mind, kind of looking at the horizon. Yeah, I mean, admissions in general, I mean, is fascinating and ever changing. Um, you know, over time, we're going to have to see, you know, what happens to standardized tests. You know, we've seen a major shift when it comes to undergrad admissions. What will happen to the MCAT over time? How will that, you know, impact the diversity and the, you know, the quote unquote well-roundedness of, of classes that we're going to see. So from an admission standpoint, there's a lot to keep our pulse on or, you know, a lot that we need to keep our finger on the pulse about. So that's really critical. I also like, you know, schools are getting more and more interested in, you know, thinking about what makes someone a good physician. And over time, you know, I think that numbers have remained important, but other stuff has risen in importance. So you could argue that, numbers, while they're critical, they've become relatively less important over time. And these are the kinds of things where, you know, we're encouraging our students to demonstrate their commitment to the communities they want to serve and to just be thoughtful in everything that they do. And, you know, this, uh, this increased focus on what's not on your resume is just has changed the landscape. And with admission, that's funny because yeah, you know, with COVID you get pretty drastic changes like in every other aspect of life where it's like, oh, you know, tests are gonna be de-emphasized maybe. Some schools might go optional or whatever the case might be. But, you know, trends about 
you know, greater diversity, thinking about extracurriculars more and profiles and communities you want to serve and what have you, those don't hit us over the head overnight, right? You start to see the changes over time and schools sort of wading into those changes. I say wading, W-A-D-I-N-G, right? Sort of dipping their feet into the water and then going deeper and deeper over time. And so if you don't follow those trends and you don't, you know, keep your eyes on how to do it well, um, you know, when it's time for you to apply, you might have missed the boat because you're working off of advice, you know, that might be outdated by four years. Right. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think, um, I think just with everything you're saying, though, for me, like it, it, I think probably, you know, it's in the back of students' minds or something because a lot of like, you know, student development stuff and different things where it's like, yeah, these like, quote unquote, like soft skills are really important, like all those things that you've mentioned and like, you know, identity development, knowing your story and like, you know, why you're kind of compelled to action to do whatever it is that you choose to do professionally and all that. Um, that like, I think we espouse it a lot. And sometimes students like, yeah. you know, they, they roll their eyes, but then I'm sure if they like start talking to you or, you know, like anybody on your team and stuff where they're just like, oh, okay. Yeah, actually it is important because I want to go to med school and I want to like, you know, distinguish myself and, you know, be, yep. you know, well-rounded and stuff. So, uh, I guess, have, have you had interactions like that where people have like, I guess that like epiphany or anything? Oh, I'm all the time. All yeah. the time. I think, uh, you know, when um, we have, because it's, because these are very bright students, right? And they're, you know, we work with a lot of students who are highly motivated. And, you know, when someone is super highly motivated, but it's something really competitive, what ends up happening doesn't. People get nervous and they're just like, doc, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And so we try to distill it sometimes as high achievers into these series of steps of like, all right, I just want to check these five boxes and know I'm going to be safe. But that's not how it works. And so when you challenge people of like, hey, what populations do you want to serve? What problems do we want to solve in these populations? You know, how do you want to approach it? Do you want to focus more, um, you know, in this area when it comes to patient exposure or this area, because we can build this kind of profile or this one. I think both of them fit your interests. People are like, uh, I don't know. What do you think? Like, what's going to move the needle for me? What's more likely to get me in school? And so again, coming back to pushing people of like, whoa, whoa, there's like a million, you know, what is that? Uh, there's no wrong way to eat a recess, basically. Like you could do this a bunch of different ways. Which way most interests you of these options that are, you know, equally compelling? Right. And so pushing our students to think and to, to think about like, hey, it's not just, you know, here's the list, do this and you're going to be OK. That's not how we approach it, because that's not in their best interest either. Right. Well, and I feel like, unfortunately, like that's kind of not how life works. I'm just like that idea. I'm just like, well, if you follow yeah. this list and everything's going to work out, it's going to be perfectly fine. Yeah. Like, it's here's like, how you find the spouse. Do these three, do these three steps. And when you check these three boxes and you know, it's over, no, right, right. Obviously, <laughs> everything's a rabbit hole, you know? Yeah. Um, well, and I think too, because obviously I'm definitely included in that camp. I would love if life was so structured, but sure. uh, continually realizing how much it is not so, but it can be freeing for, with what you're saying is like, I think we want to always like really empathize and, you know, sort of recognize the uh, kind of uniqueness of each student and like their background where it's like, yeah, that's great. Like know that story, lean into that story and be able to talk about it confidently and like, you know, do things that align with what your goals and, you know, sort of uh, interests are versus like, 
because yeah like a lot of what you've said like it just it could like it really bums me out to think of like you know this is just you know a story repeated unfortunately but yeah. that idea of like students sort of like hemming themselves in because they think they need to sort of fit into you know this one yep. kind of box this one kind of line um and uh yeah that it, like it would better serve but them to be more the irony yeah. yeah but that's the irony dustin when you try to when you try to distill it into a process where you just try to check boxes and do x y and z you have a bunch of other students who think the same way. And so if you're all trying to look a certain way, you're all going to be beige, right? Mm -hmm. It's going to be nothing that necessarily stands out or, or whatever have you. So people who are trying to turn this into, um, you know, a set of steps that if they check enough boxes, they're going to be okay or whatever, um, they're actually producing the opposite of their intended effect. Right. Because now they're actually looking very generic and they're not going to stand out in any way. So people need to very carefully evaluate what they're doing, because if they approach it the right way, they're going to end up hurting themselves more than helping themselves, which is, you know, the the unfortunate part of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I'm curious because uh, I always like to just highlight um resources obviously you're super knowledgeable and i'm sure you know there might be a lot of stuff on your site and we're going to link out to that as well but um anything else you'd like to give kind of a tip of the hat to any like books articles podcasts and stuff that sort of are uh swirling around this topic that you think would be uh relevant to folks i mean i i hate to i don't know toot my own horn kind of thing um <laughs> but but i really believe that the resources on our site are are really valuable to students um you know a lot of folks consume them they write comments on them that i respond to and um, you know, someone could just go to our site and, you know, only consume that and and be in a position to apply successfully. I get emails to that effect every year. The reason why I hesitate to, you know, to discuss a certain book is because the process changes all the time. Stats change as far as average acceptance rate. Advice changes due to changing circumstances like a COVID or changing initiatives with medical schools. So I would advise students to not necessarily you know, go for a lot of like static materials when it comes to admissions. Uh, with MCAT, it's different. Obviously, there are going to be various books and stuff like that. People sometimes buy like, you know, uh, from the big box stores, you know, an MCAT prep book. But we also published all the content on our site and things like that. Um, mm -hmm. As far as, uh, you know, as far as podcasts, um, you know, over the years, uh, you know, different ones have come up. One that's been around for a long time, Dr. Ryan Gray, um, you know, who's a physician, talks, uh, he has one called The Pre-Med Years you know, talking about not only what to do, but also, you know, the emotional side of it, the mental side of it, the personal development, professional development side of things that I appreciate about him. Um, so those are those are some things that come to mind. Um, I also, you know, I always uh, encourage students to, you know, keep their fingers on the pulse, keep their ears to the ground, because things do change all the time. And, but also to reach out to, you know, to experts, um, it could be, be someone else doesn't matter, because things change all the time. Unfortunately, when misinformation gets out into the pre-med community, Dustin, it tends to stay there for a while. It takes years to undo bad advice. And so I just always caution people, you know, don't, um, you know, don't fall prey to misinformation. And if you question something, get a second opinion, ask an expert, whatever you need to do. Um, because if you follow bad advice for a long time, it's very hard to unwind the ball of yarn, if you will, uh, once mm -hmm. you're deep following bad advice yeah well 
it's a truism of life i think of those things that are yeah. just like conventional wisdom like oh no everybody knows that's how it is right and that's nope. exactly right um but uh yeah i mean i think that's really good advice because i think um because i'm sure we are entering into a weird place with like resources because like i honestly have been doing that a lot lately where i see like something you're like oh my god this is from 2019 like there's no relevance like they have no idea like you know because it might be things about like working in an office and like work-life culture and i'm like everyone's been like you know mostly remote for so long so um i'll like take it with like a grain of salt but um yeah but definitely i mean good advice yeah of like you know keeping up with like education headlines and stuff as much like the stuff that kind of boils to the top of, uh, you know, national mm-hmm. uh, news sites and stuff like it, you know, it matters. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I was, that's just me again, like shooting from the hip of like, yep. I remember over, you know, the past year and a half seeing so many places that were going like test optional or, you know, these different things. So totally curious. Uh, yeah. Curious your take on some of that. So I appreciate you, uh, yeah, hanging out and answering these things, but, um, you know, we always like to end the episodes, any like final thought, call to action, anything that you'd want to, uh, just share to end the episode with. Yeah. I mean, just reach out if you have questions, you know, folks can visit the site, you know, shamasianconsulting.com. Uh, there'll be resources about every topic as it pertains to, you know, med school admissions or other aspects of higher med, uh, higher ed, excuse me. Um, and then, you know, the, there'll be contact buttons all over the site. Um, and then if people, so if people have questions, you're welcome to get in touch and love to chat with families, love to chat with students about, you know, what it takes to do this stuff successfully. I'm actually surprised it's not a term. Maybe it is, I don't know, higher med. Higher um, med, I know. Maybe we should <laughs> coin it after today, right? Yeah. Right. Trademark. Um, but no, yeah, I mean, I think that's... Um, I just appreciate that you make yourself so available and like engage in the comments on like your, you know, uh, Oh, you checked those out. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. Like, cause I think it's, that's the other thing too, is I think just people feeling comfortable to ask for help, obviously, like that's literally like what you're there for. And, and I mean, so many people just at universities and stuff, and you know, some are better about making people available for like, you know, uh, talking to people about admissions. So it's like, that could even be the thing. I'm sure maybe you do too, where it's like, Oh, you're really interested in that particular place. Like there may be a person there that can talk to you about, the stuff there because oh yeah you, you obviously can't be an expert at like every institution everywhere all the time correct um, correct so yeah that's even like a good good final thought as well as like be oh yeah asking for absolutely help, you know? yeah. absolutely i'm so glad you said that and um you know i do actually respond to like 90 i don't know unless it's like spam and i'll delete it or whatever but it's like i'll respond to 98 you know plus percent of people who you know reach out and uh, try to answer people's questions as much as I can. But but yeah, I mean, there are going to be some hyper school specific things where people ask me, I'm like, you know, I'm going to ask the school myself. You know, mm-hmm. I, I you can't possibly know, you know, what 200 different medical schools are going to say about subject day. So uh, don't be shy about it. If you're nervous, block your number, call the admissions office, ask your question. <laughs> don't give your name. It's OK. Um, and uh, and it'll be fine. Yeah. Um, good stuff. Well, uh, thank you so much for your time and all that you've shared and we'll have ways to connect with you and your work, uh, and the things you mentioned in the show notes as usual, but, uh, yeah, just appreciate you so much of sharing all that you did. It's just, uh, really informative for me to explore this, uh, side of things. So, um, yeah, just thanks for your time. Yeah. Thanks for having me on Dustin. Nice chatting with you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. Make sure to rate review and subscribe. So you never miss an episode. Thanks again for listening. And we'll see you in the next episode of the Higher Ed Geek podcast.